Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. So one of my goals since starting this podcast has been to make it a call-in as well as a write-in show because I think so much is missing in some of these scenarios when I can't ask questions and have some back and forth dialogue. So as my business slowly grows and I make goals and plans for the coming months and years that I can make as the growth allows me to accommodate, this is one of those things I really look forward to being able to do. The question for today is actually one such example. While it's relatively simple, and I can and will answer this simply, I also think there are some underlying things that also may make it more nuanced and individual. So it's also one that a lot of parents can relate to, myself included, regardless of the ages of your children on so many levels. Our own underlying perspectives and experiences will color how we view and interpret these scenarios. And I would love to be able to ask this mom some questions in order to be able to understand the more nuanced piece of this from her experience. So I'm also going to dive into this question a little bit deeper as well. But of course, a lot of this will be colored by my own experience as well as my experience I've pulled and gleaned from working with other parents over the years. So Stacy asks, I'd really love your input on preventing a tantrum for an 18-month-old who is not speaking yet. My daughter is very bright, but she cannot communicate her needs yet, and I can see that it frustrates her as much as it does us. She has been very clingy to me for a few months now and throws a full tantrum when I cannot hold her or pick her up. I practice labeling her emotions, and I explain why I cannot hold her right this second, but she's having trouble moving on from the emotion. Distractions only help so long as I'm right beside her. I've listened to a few of your answers on tantrums and separation anxiety, but with her not having a lot of words yet, we're stuck. How can I help her navigate this until she's able to communicate with us? So first I'm gonna give the simple answer, and then I'll get into diving beneath the surface. How I think a lot, if not every single one of us, can relate to this struggle on some level or another. Now, Stacy may just be asking a super simple question here, so that's why I'm going to give the simple answer, but there may be more to it, so that's why I'm going to dive in also. And also, I think it's great for any other parents who may be struggling with something like this, who have things that are more nuanced or underlying these types of struggles with their own kids. So I, that's why another reason why I'd like to delve into it a little bit deeper. So as far as working with a child or toddler who is not yet able to communicate and is getting frustrated, I highly recommend teaching some sign language for basics like common foods, toys, and needs and emotions like water, up, 
food, more, love, sad, bottle, bed, tired, etc. This gives them an opportunity to learn to communicate with you without having to cry, fuss, grunt, point, and get frustrated, etc. It helps make connections in the language centers of the brain also. So when you speak to your toddler or baby, you would both say the word and use the sign. My oldest first word was food, and I only knew he was saying food because he was also using the sign at the same time along with the word because he actually said oof. So the sounds were actually backwards, the oo with the f sound at the end instead of the f sound at the beginning of the word. His second word was more, and he still loves food today. And all three of the kids always laugh when I tell that story. So he always, more food was the first sort of sentence he put together, but he was putting it together with sign language and then sort of using his, his own sounds behind it, which I never would have guessed, again, without the sign language behind it. So I bought a set of DVDs to learn this when my oldest was still a baby. It was divided into chapters on different topics, like I just said, food, toys, emotions, etc. I really enjoyed it. I could watch it for just a few minutes and pick up several new words, teach them to him, and then pick them up really fast. So it does make communication much easier for both infant, toddler, and their parent. You can start this pretty early. I think we started, gosh, I want to say eight or nine months because he said his first word at 10, and I know he was doing the sign language before that, so maybe he was about nine months. But anyway, so this may cut down on some frustration in some of these situations. However, I don't think it's just her lack of communication that's causing the distress. It's a form of separation anxiety, even though you're right there. She's still wanting to be held, and you are in those moments unable to oblige her, and that is okay. Um, but because you're right there and she wants to be held, but she has to stay on the floor, she's just getting a little frustrated about that part. So in a previous podcast, I discussed the pull for toddlers between autonomy and security and how meeting the need for security within reason, always within reason. You don't have to drop everything every moment of the day. You shouldn't be expected to do that. But this is what builds their confidence in autonomy. So toddlers will run the spectrum of being super clingy to super independent. And this entire spectrum is very normal. So two of my kids went through the very normal bouts of separation anxiety and my youngest son, Chandler, the twin, only protested one time at drop-off. It lasted 30 seconds, and then he was done. It was fine. That was literally the one time he ever had any separation anxiety. Otherwise, he was the toddler you'd drop off, and he'd be like, see you later. And I think most other parents thought this was a dream, which I guess it probably was, but I was actually a little hurt that he was never sad to see me leave. But he's also the loviest kid of all three of them. At eight, he still loves to sit on my lap, always wants to hug and snuggle, and says, you're the best mommy in the world almost every day. So the point of this is you just never know. Just because a toddler is super clingy now or is very independent now doesn't mean he or she won't become very independent later or won't be super affectionate if they're super independent now. Another option, if this works for you, is a carrier of some sort that will allow you to hold or keep her close even when you have things to get done. Now, they do make them for toddlers, even up to, I believe, around age three. You just have to make sure that you stay within the weight or other restrictions for the carrier. So if this is something you're up for and your body can handle the extra weight for short periods and you aren't cooking over splattering oil or cutting with a sharp knife, something like that, it is a good option to get both needs met. Your toddlers need to feel close and your need to get some things done. 
Obviously, you're not always going to do this. You don't have to wear her into the bathroom. But it does give an option for when you're doing some laundry, washing some dishes, that type of thing. You can give her that little bit of extra attention that she's looking for and also get some things done. So here's where I'm going to start to dive in a little deeper. While it's nice to meet your child's wants to the degree possible, it's also okay when you can't and to do just what you've been doing, labeling the emotions, letting her know that you need a few minutes and that you will pick her up or hold her or read her a book on your lap or whatever you and she are looking forward to doing next once you're done with what you're needing to get done. It's nice to prevent tantrums when we can by circumventing them, from getting too hungry or overtired while running errands, or even anticipating some need when possible, like knowing they'll want their special teddy when you go to visit grandma for the afternoon. But not every tantrum can be avoided. Now in the class on tantrums, I talk about what's going on in the brain developmentally and why they are so common. Well, actually several reasons why they're so common. I also covered it way back in one of the very first episodes, I think maybe episode three, somewhere in those very early, three, four, or five, so you can look back for that one. But toddlers need to, but toddlers need practice at recognizing uncomfortable emotions, which is where the labeling comes from. It comes in and it helps them with that. They start to learn, oh, so this is frustration. This is what it feels like. Oh, this is what anger feels like. And these are the first steps to emotional competence and building emotion skills, which is the foundation for the social skills, which are the outward expression of their emotion. So I now know what, this is the child, the toddler thinking, I now know what anger is and that it isn't okay to just grab the toy because I saw it first. I know that I need to ask for a turn or go find another toy. Now, that thought process would obviously be an extremely rare and mature preschooler right there or even a five-year-old. But this is what we're working towards to get our children towards that thinking process. But without practice at dealing with the uncomfortable emotions, working their way through them so that they can deal with them in those great emotion and social skills ways, the thought processes I just shared, This is what we're teaching them. This is what we're helping them work through. Toddlers and preschoolers and even grade schoolers and adolescents will need some help and will struggle with dealing with emotions appropriately and maturely, but it really starts in these earliest ages so that by the time they're in grade school and beyond and dealing with peer conflicts, they have the tools or at least a good foundation for the tools to do so. Now, I wanna take a quick moment to say something here about the distraction. I also talk about that in that class on distraction and redirection. It is really a very short-term solution because when we use distraction or redirection, we're sort of trying to get our toddler or child to forget about their discomfort in their emotion. And we want to try to give them every opportunity to address the discomfort in the emotion, to accept that they can't have what they want in that moment, to be uncomfortable, to learn how to deal with it, work through it, and get to the other side. So we don't want to rob them of those opportunities by using distraction or redirection too much. There are times when it's okay to use that and it's really the only option or is probably one of the better options, but those are pretty rare. And I talk about that in that class, including all of the other options like the coaching I just talked about or the times when distraction and redirection 
might be one of the better options available or the best option available. So if you want to look into that class, that's on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the discipline tab. But also, I feel like there's also a deeper lesson in here for some of us parents. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep, and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T. P-U-R-O-A-I-R dot com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights, or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads love where you live. So I'm going to try to attempt to go deeper and see where it leads and hopefully I won't just end up rambling on. But these are some experiences that I still have. I think all of us as parents can relate to this feeling of helplessness or this pull to try and fix things when our kids are upset. We find ourselves trying to balance our needs with their needs. Like in these types of instances, I need to get things done, but my child is upset. I'm trying to get dinner on, but she wants my attention. Or one I've struggled with with our oldest is my strong desire or need to teach him an important life lesson which means he needs to go through these uncomfortable emotions with this pull as his mom to support him in his struggles. And I'll talk more about that in just a few minutes, but there's two very different scenarios going on here, but I think they overlap in that we as parents wanna protect 
our kids. We want to be the soft place to land, to make their childhood as comfortable as possible. And there's a fine line between protecting them and being a safe place and yet going overboard in ways that we don't prepare them for life's disappointments. So then we aren't doing them or the people who have to deal with them in the future any favors. So we want to just be careful and we want to be aware of that line. So these early days, when we do have to try to balance a need to get things done or even just a need to get a moment to ourselves with their need or desire for some more attention, are these first tests. What is that line? Because the guilt kicks in, right? And all those things in our heads, they're only little ones. The the mess can wait. They start to stir us up. But the truth is, yes, they are only little ones. And yes, the mess can wait. But dinner also has to get made and clothes have to get washed and we have to work to pay bills or we have to go to the bathroom, right? So we can't hold them every single second they want. So we have to do our best to balance these conflicts. We do the best we can to give as much as we can. So long as we do this and when we have to set a boundary to get things done, or because there's more than one kid, we set the boundary and that's all okay. It's an important lesson that we can't always have what we want at the exact moment we want it. Now the struggle I've been having with our oldest is that he struggles with seeing his part, his responsibility and outcome. So there was one afternoon a few weeks ago where it was his turn to empty the dishwasher. We also let him play his Xbox for an hour when he gets home from school before he goes to swim practice for two hours. But this day, he needed to do the dishwasher first. And he got very upset because he felt like it was gonna cut into his game time. Instead of just talking to me about it so we could discuss it maturely, come up with a solution, and move on, he threw a fit. He took four times as long to empty the dishwasher because he got so upset and wasn't just getting the job done. So that cut into his gaming time even more. Then I wouldn't let him start playing until he sat down and talked to me about his behavior, took responsibility for his reaction, which he was really struggling with doing. He was just refusing to take responsibility for the reaction. And that cut deeper and deeper into his gaming time, upsetting him even more and becoming this perpetual cycle of frustration over a situation that he had almost complete and total control over. He chose to overreact instead and then continue the reaction. So as upset as he was, I knew all I had to say was fine, go play your game, we'll talk about it later. But I couldn't do that. I knew I couldn't because then I wouldn't be helping him learn a lesson that he really struggles with. I know it's something we will have to keep working on. He has a lot of positive qualities, but this is something that is he does struggle with. This is something that he needs to learn to do better. It's so important for him to understand before he leaves home that he has control over how he reacts, that he has to look at a situation and objectively determine which parts are his responsibility and what he can do to make it go smoother or as best as possible right now And when it happens again in the future, what could he do differently in the future to make it go better? He cannot be successful if he gives away his power, if his upset, anger, or the situation is always someone else's fault. So some of it may very well be, but if he had simply said, I'm upset because you know I like to play right after school and my best friend is on right now and I have to empty the stupid dishwasher, We could have worked out that he could have a 15 minute extra after swim practice or he could tell me 
the next time to wake him up earlier in the morning so it doesn't cut into his gaming time after school, any number of things. And the situation could have gone a lot smoother. But instead, he spent 45 minutes emptying the dishwasher and discussing with me about taking responsibility for his reactions. And all it did was just prolong the entire process and had the exact opposite effect that he would have liked. So to wrap up my two main points about this is that it's a balance as well as a process of transferring over the years of dependence to independence. Our job is to support our child's needs for dependence while also encouraging and at times setting boundaries around that dependence and how much we can give. Along with that and other lessons in raising our kids are times when our children are going to be very upset and they're going to struggle. And that can be really hard for us to watch and not want to step in and try to fix or save them. Our hearts want to give in sometimes and just give them what they want, but we wouldn't be doing them any favors or helping them have the experience they need to have to learn to be the people they can and need to be in order to be happy and successful in the world. That we as parents are not responsible for our children's emotions. We are not to blame if they get angry because we can't pick them up in that moment or because they have to empty the dishwasher before they can go get on their gaming console. We set a respectable boundary. They decide how to react. They also have to learn how to work through that upset while we are there to support that emotion and help them work through it, but not try to take it away altogether. This way, when they go out in the world, they've had the practice and they've had the support through the practice so that they can do it on their own and they get really good at it. So hopefully that all makes sense and it didn't feel like I rambled on and you found some wisdom in there either now or for in the future when you're dealing with your kids and their emotions. Remember, we have over 50 classes on the website, including classes on helping kids with emotions, things like your developing toddler, your developing preschooler, set lots of examples about how to help with this, the class on tantrums, and of course, the discipline classes also offer a great foundation for this area as well. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.